Woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil sends the beast with wrath, because he knows the time is short. Let him who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast, for it is a human number. Its number is 666. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hit the Light Podcast with me, Big Frog. And me, Mike Castleberry. And this week we are into the first dedicated episode to Iron Maiden. And the current events that we have also are Iron Maiden related because the, the set list came out for the uh, for the tour. Some uh, some surprises. Couple surprises, couple surprises, and uh, and I've I just, I mean, I don't, at first I didn't get it, because mm-hmm. they're going to play a couple of the Blaze Bailey songs. Yeah. The Klansman and some other one. Yeah. And the only thing that I can come up with for why they're playing them is, like, Steve Harris thinks they're really good songs. And they and didn't he, get their due. And he wants you to know what it, what it was supposed to sound like. Yeah. Or something, you know? I guess. I mean, I guess... <clears throat> we'll have to hear it, you yeah. know, see yeah. how it goes, and I mean, they'll sound better. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because one thing I noticed when trying to listen to the Blaze shit um, earlier today is his delivery, not like the vocal delivery, is because he can't fucking touch Bruce. No. But like the the rhythm, yeah, like the phrasing and stuff. It sounds like it's kind of supposed to be matching what Bruce would do, right? So it's like it. It sounds like when you got like placeholder shit yeah. in there, like when like the fucking bass player just sings it, so you get a an right, idea, a guide vocal, yeah, yeah. Except for they didn't have a. I mean, I guess Blaze. Here's the thing. I I need to listen to Blaze. Um, in some other fucking setting to really decide whether he I like him as a singer or right. not. Right. Because he's solidly in the I don't like him. Yeah. I'll he, send you some live video. Yeah. Because he doesn't... It's not great. No. Well, I'm talking about just like non-Iron Maiden at all. Oh. Just like whatever he was fucking doing before because you listen to it and of course you're gonna you're gonna make comparisons. Mm-hmm. And when you look in the comments of people that actually like this shit they're like... You know, it's unfair to compare it to Bruce and blah, blah, blah. Right. You got to take it on its own merits. It's like, well, on its own merits, I don't like it. So suck my dick. But, right. Right. But the thing is, is um, how can you not compare them? You, you got two singer, well, two recorded singers mm-hmm. to fall back on with Made in History at this point. We're not counting, like, how many they had before they fucking cut an album. Right. But, you know... Okay, he just sucks in that setting. He's not right for the band. He's not right for the style. Um, he can't do what Bruce does, so he can't match that fucking energy. He can't match that range and power. But he also doesn't have like that like raw quality that Paul did. Right. Where Paul kind of had like his own kind of almost like blend of punk rock and metal thing going on. Yeah. He's not fucking doing anything cool like that either. Yeah. So it's just a, a guy that's singing shit worse yeah. than Bruce is yeah. what it sounds like. He doesn't have like a like a real style. Yeah, he's got like a weird twang going on in there. Yeah. Like, I don't know. 
Yeah. It's just... But you know, that's the thing about Maiden is that that's a trip is that, you know, they're all from... They're all basically, like, from the same neighborhood. Yeah. They came up and, you know... And so they, like, rather hire a guy that they like and a guy that they know mm-hmm. than just have, like, open auditions and, like, hire an American guy or yeah. something. You know, which, I mean, they could have done. You know, and and uh, there were better options out there. Um, even... Um, What's his face? Doogie auditioned. Yeah. That would have been better. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it would have been great, but it would have been better. But anyways, so uh, so other than that, I really dug the set list. I'm, I'm not going to spoil it because some people don't like yeah, hearing that. Yeah, they like so. kind of being surprised. Right. I, I'm, I'm of the mindset. I like to know what the set list is before I go to a show. Um, mainly it's because... It's because I'm getting old, mm-hmm. so I like to know when I can go pee. Oh, for sure. I like to know when I can sit down. Major concern. Major concern <laughs> for me. But, you know, yeah. uh, I like to know when I can go home. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is, I'm. That's how I realize I'm getting old. Is I have fun anytime I go to a show, but I, I'm like this anytime I go anywhere now. Mm-hmm. Like the second I leave, I start counting down to when I can go home. Yeah. And I like I'll go to a show and I'll have a blast the whole time, but there's a point at some point in the show where I go like I kind of want to go home. Oh yeah, dude. That's, My I mean, tired. Yeah, I mean I would I'm never. Tired. I mean I know some of the some of the homies like you know some of the dudes that I want to go see uh, Iron Maiden with in in, in L. A. next mm-hmm. month. They still go to festivals and shit like that. Yeah, no. Oh, man, you can't do that. I didn't want to do that when I was in my 20s. Yeah, and then the sun and fucking standing and fucking... And if you try to go to the bathroom or something, then you got to try to get back to where you were. Yeah, no, that's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to, like, yeah, at my prime, I didn't want to be out in the heat all day. Yeah, it's rough. You know, with 20 bands, I don't give a shit about playing. And like you said, if I got to... If I gotta go to the bathroom, I gotta fucking make my way through the crowd yeah. so to the fucking, bathroom, wait in line yeah. for a nasty ass porta potty. Yeah, it's the fucking it's the Hobbit and shit. Yeah, you fucking to get back. Yeah, to there and back again, mm. and you know it's a, an entire book. And then yeah, like I said, then you gotta try to make your way back. Yeah, and you know that's why you know if you fucking got like right in front of the stage, like yeah, I guess you're peeing your pants. Yeah. Pretty much, you know. Pretty much. That's what know? I did. Um, well, I didn't pee myself. But <laughs> <laughs> when I had floor seats for Metallica, um, after Lamb of God had their set, um, everybody was like, "All right, that's the piss break time. It's time to do concession stand. Right. It's time to do that." Me and my friends all were just like, "We're right there. We're at the stage. Metallica mm-hmm. is gonna be right fucking there. Yeah, and can't we're just, move. And we're just gonna hold it." Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it was pretty cool because there was, like, there's James Hetfield right the fuck there. Right there's there. Kirk Hammett right the fuck there. Like, I'm never going to be able to do that again because yeah. my floor seats at this shit were uh, less expensive than my nosebleed seats when I saw Metallica at Petco. Right. You know. Yeah. And that's the way that that's going to continue to be. Yeah. And then when I saw that, I was like, I don't even care. Like, when I was looking down on the fucking mass of people. Because, I mean, yeah, it was at SDSU, Mm -hmm. at whatever the fucking arena is called now. It's a good size arena. Right. But it's an arena. And, you know, it's not a stadium. Mm -hmm. 
So when I'm in my nosebleeds and I'm looking down at like all the pits and everything else like going on yeah. like during Metallica, I'm just like, yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't, I would not have liked to be there. Right, <laughs> right, right. It's, it's just too, it's way too much. Well, you know? when when uh, like when I saw, because I did see Iron Maiden with Blaze, and it was at SDSU at the amphitheater. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and it was. Uh, that's where I you saw know, Weird Al. Right. Okay. <laughs> so that uh, gives you a reference point yeah, you for know, where Maiden was at. Right. And now this time it's going to be in a fucking stadium. Yeah. You know, that's going to be insane. It's like, well, I mean, you'll hear about it. You know, yeah. everybody's going to fucking. But uh, I'm kind of like, wow, man, this is going to be. I haven't been in a crowd that big in a long time because we're on the floor. Oh shit! So it's I don't know what the fuck it's gonna be like. It's gonna be a trip. Yeah, it's gonna be, and you know, and it's also I mean, Lonnie's gonna be there. You know, my nephews and my niece are gonna be yeah. there because Roy makes it a family thing. You know, so it's gonna be a trip, man. I don't know. I mean, I might I might need my nephews to fucking you know make a path for me. <laughs> Nowadays, that's how fucking much things have changed. Yeah, I mean. That was I was on the fence with that one. I really mm. wanted to go, but I've been spending money on yeah. shows for, you know, kind of yeah. back to back to back to back also, around man, that time. And my wife's like, we can't afford for you to like go to L.A. Also, yeah. For, if they know, had a, if they played San Diego, for sure, she probably would have been less yeah. annoyed. But it would have been like me spending money on that, then having to find my way up to L.A. and right. back. And, right, and it gets to be you know anything. That has to do with L.A. is a pain in the ass. Yeah. Period. It doesn't matter what, what, you know, some people are better at it than others because they're used to it, but it's a pain in the ass every fucking time. Anyways, so Iron Maiden. We've been watching some stuff. You know, I sent you some things. You sent me some things. Basically, the root of all evil in this sense is fucking Steve Harris. He was in some bands. Mm Mm-hmm. He was writing songs, and these motherfuckers were like, they can't, can't play that shit, yeah, you know? He, he was trying to write shit that they couldn't keep up with. Yeah. And he finally said, well, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna make music the way I want to make music, I suppose I need to go start my own band. Right. Yeah. And they're right there in the hood. It's East London, right? And these dudes are like, you know, I mean, they talk, like, even... When we first got the first couple of albums, uh, the, at the very end of the liner notes, after they thank everyone and whatever, 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 it says, up the hammers. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what the fuck that shit meant, but we're like, yeah, fuck yeah, up the hammers. That's, you know, whatever. That's the thing we say now. It sounds something <laughs> fucking heavy, you yeah. know, whatever. As it turns out, that's their neighborhood soccer team, and they're fucking like, yeah, fucking, you know, we're about this shit. Yeah. And if you know anything about that, that shit's like a gang, <laughs> you yeah. know. Those are the motherfuckers fight over that kind of shit. That'd shit have been like, like uh, if we if we made an album like six years ago or so, and then at the end said like "Go Chargers." Yeah, you know exactly. You know, <laughs> and, and yeah. So uh, so yeah, so these are all dudes from right there, and it's fucking Steve Harris from day one, Dave Murray almost from day one. Yeah, and then he was out and back in. And then, other than that, revolving dudes, yeah, you know, I, for a while. I thought fucking Rainbow and shit was hard to keep track of as yeah. far as, like, band members. But it was, like, during that time period, like, when you're really trying to get something going, 
and Steve was like the main driving force of right. that. It was just like, dudes got to go if they got to go. But then yeah. there's like a lot of dudes that just fell off because yeah. like they couldn't fucking hang. Yeah. Or their girlfriend or something yeah. or yeah, weird shit. Yeah. Like one dude, um, whatever he was, a couple of them quit just because they had full time jobs and wives and shit right. like that. And they just couldn't. Yeah, put the effort in, and Steve was like, "Oh, that sucks because yeah. they were really good." And right. I wonder how they feel now. Right. Like, I hope they're still married. Yeah, you I, know, if they're like divorce, <laughs> yeah, be like, you know, I quit Iron Maiden for you. Right. You know, some of the some of the higher profile dudes, like you know, like Dennis Stratton. Mm-hmm. You know, they. It seems like Doug Sampson. It seems like they. They're like the most popular dudes in that area. They can just like go in fucking, they yeah. ain't buying drinks. You know, they're fucking, everybody knows who they are and shit. And that's not so bad. You know, that's, it's all right. It seems pretty cool yeah. to be that dude, you know. You used to be in Maine. Yeah, you had your you had your moment, yeah. you know, or whatever. Better I mean, than nothing. Yeah, you know? I mean, Doug Stratton at least got to play on a record. Oh, yeah, for sure. For <laughs> He's sure. got that going for him. Yeah. He's got a... Uh, one of the things I found out, um, I didn't know about this, and then I was like, oh, maybe that's why Paul isn't on the best terms with them. I didn't realize, like, when they let him go, it was, you know, obviously because he was a, being a fuck-up. He's mm-hmm. getting drunk and high and fucking up shows mm-hmm. and this and that. I didn't realize that they did a, a lump payout for him, so they never had to pay him royalties. No. So he doesn't make a fucking dime Right. any of that old shit. Right. And honestly, that old shit doesn't get played much anymore anyway. Right. But still, he doesn't yeah. make anything off that. Yeah. It seems like he could probably use that check right about now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. probably. Because, I mean, you know, it's, you know what, man? It's one of those things, too. Like, fucking, uh, you know, I get, I, I have different discussions with different dudes and, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, Diano, what a waste. You know, he's a great talent and, Whatever, 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 you know, and I'm like, yeah, you know, but man, what a fucking, what a crazy fucking life, though, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like fucking, I, he had a, a lot of fun, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, I, a lot of crazy shit. I don't know, when I think about it, I really like the first two Maiden albums, but when people say, oh, he was such a waste, and this and that, like, I think, I think Maiden got as far as they're going to get with him. Maybe. I don't think they were going to get to the level they got to without Bruce. It's a safe bet to say that they wouldn't have. Because Then that, again, I never thought that Metallica would go far with that singer that they have. <laughs> so, you know, but most likely you're right. Most likely yeah. they, had, they, they, they might have uh, stayed around that level where they were, yeah. you know, Maybe headline some tours in the States, and then probably that would be it. Yeah. Well, I mean, they would have, you know, when they were with, you know, obviously part of it is there's this buildup. But with Paul, there were supporting acts on U.S. tours. Mm -hmm. And they managed to break a little bit out here. Mm -hmm. But it was Number the Beast that really blew them up. Oh, for sure. That turned them from the supporting act to headliners. For sure. And I don't see something like Number of the Beast happening with him. No, just it would have been a the, totally different record. Yeah, just purely on the vocal range he has. Like, yeah. A whole selling point of that is how insane Bruce is as a talent. Right. And um, 
Yeah, I just I can't see them hitting that next level because it seems to me like the band itself, um, it's kind of like a rainbow situation where everybody kind of you push each other. Mm-hmm. So with uh, with Paul, you know, you got you know Dave Murray and Adrian and everything. They're doing a great job, mm-hmm. but I feel like they got elevated because they had to match. The, the energy and what Bruce is bringing. Right. Um, and then Steve got elevated because of that. And it's funny, too, because watching that documentary, um, before, Steve was fucking front and center. Right. Um, with Paul off to the side. Right. And Bruce was like, well, I don't fucking like that. Yeah. So he went and yeah. slammed his monitor down right, right in the middle of the I stage. This shit. And he's like, no, I'm the singer. I'm fucking front and center. Right. Which, you know. <laughs> Which Steve is like, yeah, but no. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. No, yeah. But yeah. at the same time, you need that. You need a, that's a, that's a fucking star right, right. there. And well, I, you, you want a singer that wants to be in the middle. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, you know, it takes so, when, when you got a great front man, it takes so much pressure off everyone else. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just like, this is the dude that's going to. Well, that, and they finally gave them that star power in the band because mm-hmm. the whole thing they're talking about in that documentary um they're a great band but you didn't really have like a superstar in the band right you didn't have that wild man so they fucking created eddie right so they just have the fucking character come out and he's like the symbol of the band and he's like running right. around on stage with a fucking machete and the right. crowd goes wild for that. Yeah. They still do that yeah. and do it bigger and bigger. Yeah. But they had a fucking bona fide star in yeah. the band now that's like, you know, for sure. Getting the the eyes like on him a bit more too. Right. So Well you know, I tell you well I'll tell you what I what my feelings are about the about the original band are way different, I think, than than most people's because well, let's start at the beginning. They uh, they had a really hard time finding that second guitar player. Yeah, right. No shit. <laughs> so when they go to record the Soundhouse tapes, which, as you know, it was a demo, but it was like unfinished yeah. because they didn't buy the tape in time. It got recorded over, so they just really had like the quarter inch master of the original tape. And, uh, and it wasn't, there were some things about it that weren't that great, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but what it was, what it did do was it established the sound of the band, you know. And when they recorded it, they were a four-piece. So basically, the guitar sound of Iron Maiden became Dave Murray. And, and so any, everybody who joined after that is has to blend in to that you know you have to adhere to the established sound of the band yeah because the hardcore fans which you know they printed 5,000 of the soundhouse tapes Mm -hmm. sold out right away so those are the hardcore fans of the band and they expect it to sound like this yeah. So when you're Dennis Stratton and you and you join, you gotta kind of emulate that, you know. And even fucking Adrian Smith when you joined, you yeah. know. So basically, the first two albums were like the Dave Murray show. Yeah. You know, and for me, that's great. You know, so to me, like 
there's a couple of things that I love about the first two albums that are not as good after that. Like, for example, for me, you know, they used to do this thing in Maiden where, like, they would have, like, the that instrumental, like, interlude part of the song. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, that was, like, a setup for the solo. And so the solo was, like, put on a launching point, you mm-hmm. know? And so, to me, like, I, like I'm, I was taking notes because I want to do... Uh, uh, episode on the guitars of Iron Maiden, right? Yeah. So I've been taking notes mm-hmm. on other stuff, and you can see like a red pen. I have all these songs for the first albums, and I've written classic, 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 classic on solos that I think are classic. The, <laughs> that's just the first album. There's like yeah. five. You know, Prowler is a fucking awesome solo. Mm-hmm. The Phantom of the Opera has got that fucking slow part. Strange World is a great classic solo. You know, um, the Ides of March, obviously. You know, uh, Wrathchild, Murders in the Rue Morgue. Most of these are Dave. Yeah. But there's also some some um, that uh, that Dennis Stratton did and that Adrian Smith did. But again, both of those albums were their first album with the band. Yeah. So they're kind of taking a back seat or whatever. And I got to be honest, I love it. I love Dave Murray up front and center. I think fucking, you know, he pioneered a sound, you know, because he he was one of the first dudes to put humbuckers in his strat. This is like 78. Mm-hmm. And he's got DeMarzio's in his strat. He plays those solos that, I don't know if you know a lot about uh, guitars or not, but like when you f- play the front pickup, on most guitars, like on a Les Paul, the switch says rhythm mm-hmm. when you switch to the front, and then it says lead when you switch to the back. It's just a tonal thing, yeah. right? But the but the front pickup has like that deeper sound that sounds like woo. Mm-hmm. And Dave Murray was one of the first dudes that I ever heard that was solo with that front pickup. Oh, yeah. And it gave him that fucking sound, and that became like a signature sound of the band. So the other guitar players in the band would do it too. And to me, once uh, like Number of the Beast came around, of course it's got great solos and shit on it too. But by that time, Adrian Smith was established in the band. His style was also coming through, and Dave kind of started taking a little bit of a backseat. Not really. But well, it was... I don't think he ever took a back seat. It's just he kind of shared. Yeah, he bit. reclined. It became... Um, well, it became a much more... You're having um, the dynamic of two leads. Basically. Right. It's not a rhythm guy. Which was the original plan, anyway. Yeah. And yeah, and, and, and it's great, you know, but for me... That, along with Diano, along with the um, the songs that were more about, you know, street shit or uh, movies or mm-hmm. you know, then epic yeah. history shit, you know, which is also cool. You yeah. know, I love that too. But those things, also the speed of the band, they're fast. You know. Uh, 
faster with at the beginning, and then it it changed a little bit. So to me, a lot most people talk about the vocals. Yeah. When they talk about the difference between Killers and Never the Beast, mm-hmm. obviously that's a huge yeah. difference. But to me, there's a lot more differences than. Oh just yeah, that. no, those those first two albums sound just overall with everything sound radically different from what they ended up doing yeah. as well. Uh, that's why I say that I think they peaked with what they're going to do with Paul because I don't think they do. They change their sound that much with that with him. Right. Um, I think they kind of stick with what they're doing with Killers. Right. At that point, maybe punch it up a little bit better, better production, you mm-hmm. know. But it's probably not going to be a whole a radical departure. I think bringing in Bruce was the excuse to be like, let's just fucking go see what we can do. We're, you know, we have a new guy in here. We can just expand everything and right. let's just run with it and be like, this is a newer sound we're doing. And this is what the band's going to sound like now. Right. Um, and with with each uh, addition to the band, the guy who they added was technically better. Yeah. You know, Bruce is technically better than, than Paul. Adrian's technically better than Dennis Stratton. And ultimately, the biggest move upward, I think, was Nico. Yeah. To, I mean, I love Clive Burr. He yeah. was like the first Clive in my life, you know. He was <laughs> fucking rad, but I mean, Nico's fucking beast. Dude. Yeah, fucking octopus of a fucking drummer. Yeah, and they're just saying. I mean, that was one of those ones where it's not like uh, Clive was like let go for any particular reason. It was just like he burnt out. Right. Like he was just done. Like he yeah. There's a lot of I'm seeing in the past. There's just a lot of guys falling off that. That fucking lifestyle of touring and everything, it, it just wasn't, they yeah. weren't made for it. Right. Like, and sometimes it makes way for for a better dude. Like in yeah. this case, well, the, it's the same story as that John Rutsey from Rush. Mm-hmm. You know, he couldn't hang. He couldn't, it was too much. And lo and behold, it turned out to be pretty good for the band that yeah. that, that was the case. You know, um, so they get Bruce. Right? It's kind of a weird... It's one of those situations where, like, if you if you let Paul tell it, he was getting ready to leave the band anyway. Yeah. You know? That sounds crazy to me. It, I guess it's possible. Yeah. But it sounds to me kind of more like, well, fuck you, I break up with you. You know, yeah. kind of thing that, you know... You can't dump me, bitch. Yeah, exactly. I'm dumping you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, because that, because the stuff that he did after that, I mean, man, there might be a, a, a like a good song or two on mm-hmm. each project, but for the most part, it's pretty bad, you know? Yeah. Well, and, I mean, left to his own devices, yeah. he's a fuck up and he doesn't have like a Steve Harris yeah. really pushing his ass. And he really needed one. You know? Yeah. So he's... He was always talking about, like, you know, I was seeing an interview, like, stuff. Like, they quoted in, like, Wikipedia where he said, like, being in that band was, like, uh, working for, like, Hitler and Mussolini. Between, well, between Steve and then the band manager and everything, he felt like he was, like, in, you know, completely controlled and this and that. And it's right. like, well, he probably needed it, dude, because right. he had done shit afterwards. And, uh, 
your uh, your two albums with the same fucking cover you did with Dennis Stratton didn't do shit. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want to listen to them on like just fucking curiosity. Yeah, stuff. well, I shoot it to you because I downloaded them just yeah. for the fuck of it for for because we're we're probably gonna do at least one more yeah. on them. So so uh, we we'll, we could we could throw in uh, we could throw in some where are they nows? Yeah, uh, you know that that type of shit. But um, so yeah, so basically, number of the beast was the first uh, the first song that I ever heard from Iron Maiden. Yeah, you know, and uh, and it was fucking awesome. I mean, it was like a it was a, a watershed moment. You yeah. know, also too, it had the significance that you know, like I was in Catholic school. Fucking six six six, fucking all this shit, you know. That, the ultimate. My mom rebellion. was worried, yeah. you know, all that kind of shit. Oh, it right was, in the smack in the middle of the satanic panic and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah, no, that's the good shit right there. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I'm not entirely certain what the first Iron Maiden song I heard was. Right. I, I know what song could have been like wasted years or something. Well, I know what song it was that made me pay attention to them more and go right. like, I need to listen to this shit. Okay, so this is an almost a, a slightly ass-backwards way of doing it. So I'm at home. It's early 2000s, maybe. Um, and I've talked about that before. They had those, uh, on like digital cable, they had all those music channels in right. the 900s. And I yeah. always just leave it on metal. Right. And like every so often, like something will pop up. I'm like, oh, that's sick. And I'll yeah. like look into that band. Right. Well, uh, Cradle of Filth pops up, and I wasn't super into Cradle of Filth, mm -hmm. like, to begin with, but I was like, what the fuck ever. But they're doing this song that sounds way different from any other Cradle of Filth song I ever heard. Right. And uh, it's called Hallow Be Thy Name. Oh, wow. And I'm going like, oh, this is sick. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, even though it's... And I didn't realize it was an Iron Maiden song. Right. I just realized I liked how it sounded. I liked, you know, the the rhythm of it all. And even if it's, you know, the Cradle of Filth vocals, <laughs> you know, where I can't even approximate it. But just imagine. You know, I, yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard this cover, but yeah. And then I go like, I need to look into this shit. And then I saw it as an Iron Maiden cover. So right. then I listen to the... And then I listened to Hallow Be Thy Name, like the original version. Right. And then I immediately, like, bought Number of the Beast, like, right. not long after that. Yeah. So I was like, it was a quick succession. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is back then, um, I only owned two Iron Maiden CDs. Mm -hmm. I had Number of the Beast, and then I had... Um, I don't know if it's Death on the Road or whatever. It was yeah. w one of the various... Live, Live albums, was it? yeah. And it was one of the later ones. And I had those, and I felt like I was good right. for the most part. Right. So it wasn't until a little bit later I started listening to more of the shit, just because like I, I kind of had like my core Iron Maiden stuff I liked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you, when you have a later live album, you're getting like a greatest hits of like all the Bruce era. For sure. For sure. So, and a little bit of... Couple of dianos in yeah. there. So I didn't. I felt like it's like for me. It was like when you get Kiss Alive or something. And I was like, eh, I don't really need to grab all these albums. Right. But uh, yeah, the, that was pretty much it. That's. I mean, I really like Iron Maiden. Um, 
I will, there's other metal bands I like more right. that I just like I feel are more overall like listenable for me for whatever reason mm-hmm. like I love them but there's kind of there's almost like a samey quality sometimes a lot of songs you kind of know what you're gonna get mm-hmm. especially at later on when it's yeah um you know you're gonna you're gonna have Paul be like and you know it's a lot of yeah 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 you know totally and I'm gonna enjoy it but I'm gonna like not be crazy about it like other bands like Judas Priest or something I can just like listen to that shit all day and not kind of get bored of it there's just a quality to it that's a little bit maybe that's what they mean by them being a little more commercial is the fact that right there's something about it that doesn't wear on me as much yeah whereas maiden at some points i'm like i gotta be in the fucking mood yeah (laughs) yeah you know for me man it's like maiden's been fucking just like ever present in my life since i was like 13 you know so it's like you know number the beast i was fucking catholic school you know peace of mind i was in spain fucking even when fucking uh like with the Blaze Bailey uh, thing mm-hmm. was like I had just got out of rehab, so it yeah. was like I was almost like in the same place they were, yeah. you know. And then they made it come back, and I made it come back, you know. And fucking, you know, it, it was it's it's just been it's fucking kind of like the soundtrack of my life is I, yeah. you know. Well, so I I would say they're probably my favorite band, my favorite yeah. metal band for me. Um, I mean, they're up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably like, if I were to do like a listing, mm-hmm. they'd probably be like fourth or something like that. Right. It'd be like Metallica, then Sabbath, then right. Priest, then Maiden type right. of thing. Also, too, you, I, I, I practically guarantee that if you go see them, it'll jump up your list significantly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, my whole problem, though, is I think, I, I've mentioned this before, um... As far as the, uh, you know, how you said, like, Maiden was, like, the soundtrack of my life. Mm-hmm. And that's that's awesome, and I'm jealous of that because I've said it before, like, my generation of metal fans, like, we had, like, a little bit of a different experience where all the fucking bands that we listened to, like, almost none of them are new. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, all the shit that you listened to as a teenager... That's what we fucking had. Right. <laughs> but right. it wasn't new. We didn't have the benefit of being new hot shit. Right. It was just like... So nobody else was like into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It wasn't... Yeah. It was like the metalheads were just like a little patch of weird kids that were listening to like Ride the Lightning and shit right. like that. We're all listening to fucking, you know, decade plus old albums. Right. Where, you know, because like... And then we'd get like the new Metallica, but it's like Load and Reload during that time period. Right. And Megadeth was doing like cryptic writings and then that fucking risk album that sucked mm-hmm. and slayer was just it's still slayer, slayer. yeah it, but you know what you're getting out of that right um See, bruce was out of iron maiden so nobody gave a shit about iron maiden right um fucking halford was out of judas priest so nobody gave a shit about judas right. priest anymore those were dead and dead gone things yeah for sure know? even though maiden still technically existed right they might as well have been. Right. You know, so it was like no one was listening to Maiden. No one was listening to Priest. No one was listening to Dio. Yeah. You know. Um, See, like for us, like, I mean, just almost the same. Nobody, nobody would, except for the, the metalheads, nobody was into the whole everything. But yeah. 
everybody knew Run to the Hills. Yeah. You know, everybody knew fucking Flight of Icarus. Yeah. You know, so they were on MTV. You know, it yeah. was, you know, so it was fucking, yeah. it was, there was a through line that yeah. everybody we understood didn't, what the fuck you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, at that point, we didn't have Headbangers Ball anymore. Right. We didn't, you know, um, new metal was just popping up. So the bands that was like the new shit yeah. that people were listening to was just like fucking corn. Right. Yeah, I was busted for all that. Yeah, and the Deftones. Oh, yeah, and Deftones. Limp Biscuit and... I didn't really like none of that shit for yeah. the most part. Like, my friends, I had a lot of friends that were super into corn. Yeah. And I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. Like, there's no solos. No solos, no... dude. You lost me right there. Yeah. So it was like, <laughs> I just didn't like it. Yeah. I didn't like the, I didn't like this, I didn't like the direction metal was going in. No. And I didn't like the fucking death metal and black metal that right. some of my friends were into also. Because right. that was the way it was. It was like, if dudes could sing, like, that shit's fucking gay. Yeah. Like, Bruce Dickinson was like, who the fuck is this high-singing yeah. motherfucker? Yeah. It was like, everybody's listening. Everybody's listening to, like, Cookie Monster growls. Yeah. And, fucking, yeah. and James Hetfield growling also. And right. Like, there wasn't anybody singing. Right. So there was, like, it was just a weird period of time for metal. So, like, I didn't form, like, a huge attachment to anything other than, like, Metallica. And that was just because I really liked their old albums. Right. So it was like, you know, me and my friends were all fucking rocking out to Metallica or, you know, I was still into like my alt-rock shit. That was, you know, Nirvana came and went when I was, you know, in my pre-teens and teenagers and, you know, Stone Temple Pilots and all Ooh. those bands were the ones that were coming, blowing up during right. high school and middle school for me. So. Yeah. But then they all fucking fell off, you know, because they're all on fucking heroin. So, like, yeah. all these guys, like, die. Right. So now it's... Those like, bands, for me, were, like, they the they would play them at the strip club. And I was always at the strip club during yeah. that time. So that's how I knew those songs and those those bands, you know. Yeah. And I liked them. They're, they were cool. You know, they were all right. But I, didn't, I don't think I owned any of those yeah. albums or anything. See, when I went to... Um, when I first started going to strip clubs, when I was finally old enough, um, it was a lot of hair metal. Right. Played at the club. Like the first time I went to a strip club, I still remember like waiting in line and paying to get in. And then like the first thing is like a chick fucking dancing to pour some sugar on me. And yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So for sure. that's what it was. And it's funny like when we went for um, my bachelor party, the one stripper that. I guess you could say I took a liking to or took mm. a liking to me because mm. she saw I had fucking long hair. Right. And she's like, are you into metal? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, fuck yeah. You yeah. know, because first of all, that shit's a beacon. Like, when a right. dude has long hair in a club, like, that's in like... In a strip club especially. Lenny yeah. used to get, they used to, oh, play with his hair oh, and yeah. all that shit. That's real work, trying to get all his damn money. Yeah, well, sure, for sure. But... I'm, so I, I talked to the chair. I'm like, yeah, I fucking love it. Yeah, I love metal, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, oh, yeah. Like, I expected her to, like, kind of bullshit me and throw out, like, the generic metal bands. Right. And she's like, oh, I really like Venom and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, this chick's actually into metal. Right, right. So, yeah, I get a laugh dance from her and shit like that. Right, <laughs> yeah. But she kept coming back and talking to me about metal and shit. Right. And then she's like, oh, you got to see me when I actually dance dance. And then she fucking was like, the trooper comes on. And she's like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yeah, that's crazy. And I'm trying to watch her while this nasty older one's like, hey, you got some money? Like, that shit. It's like, I'll be nasty for you. It's like, yeah, you're nasty for me now. Get away from me. Yeah, strip clubs are interesting microcosm of things. Yeah. But, um, (laughs) so, basically, so then when I got back, then it was peace of mind. I mean, no, peace of mind when I was there. And when I got back, it was somewhere in time. And somewhere in time was already like a weird change mm-hmm. because like all of a sudden they had different guitars. Even fucking Steve Harris had a different bass during that time, uh-huh. which I don't know if anybody knows it. Most people probably don't. But that white bass that he plays right now is that blue bass that he used to play. It's the same fucking bass. He just fucking got it. yeah, got it redone or whatever, and now it's fucking it's uh, based on fucking West Ham soccer team, of mm-hmm. course. But it used to just be like sparkly blue, yeah. You know, but it's the same bass. But during that time, he had a different bass by some weird Canadian company or something that was like fucking with them. Yeah, all and got then, sponsored. Yeah, Adrian Smith had a fucking even Dave Murray didn't have his fucking black and white. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, this is weird. First time on the album, it doesn't say no keyboards or synthesizers yeah. were used in the making of because they did use some guitar synths on there. You know, this was also the first album that of theirs that I bought actually on cassette. Mm-hmm. So the whole, like, try to read the lyrics thing is <laughs> fucking different. You know, it's like, that's the first... Uh, album that I consider like not old maiden. Yeah. Before that, from peace of mind and back, old maiden. This is new. And maiden. this is new maiden. Uh-huh. You know, and from there on, you know, um again, it's it's fucking maiden. It's fucking rad, you know, sick. But to me, those first the first two, that's one thing. Then the second two, that's another thing. And then after that is another thing. Yeah. You know, and I really like those first two phases the best. Yeah. And I and I always I think I always will. If I could get, you know, if I could get the set list to be taken from fucking peace of mind and back, I'd be cool with that. Yeah. You know? But obviously a lot of people wouldn't, you know. And and it's a trip because, you know, I know that not everybody feels that way. Like, for example, when I was doing this stuff with the solos, looking up the solos and stuff, trying to figure out who plays what. And it was it was um it was hard for some things, but it was pretty easy for a lot of things. You could almost always tell Dave. So I was reading up on it and uh, there was a there was an article, the Iron Maidens tell you, you know, their favorite solos. The, the guitar players from the Iron Maidens tell you their favorite solos. Mm-hmm. And most of them that they liked were new, newer from the after these phases. So I'm just like, well, obviously everybody doesn't think that all the best solos are on the first two albums like I do, (laughs) you know? And they actually play them, you know? So you'd think, well, they would know. But um, yeah, man, so for me, that's the first phase, that's my favorite phase. And then um, after that started started to go started to go different. Well, I mean, to honestly, that's 
you could probably draw a line right about there where you could even say that somewhere in time might be the last even if it's slightly different it might be the last like classic yeah era. because what you start hitting the seventh son of a seventh son and no prayer for the dying like they were selling less. They weren't getting mm-hmm. the, the, as much critical response. Like mm-hmm. Fear of the Dark had, you know, Fear of the Dark on it, which is a sick song. Right. But, you know, you, you just get more songs that, like, they're not, they don't really play live anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they kind of, they bottomed out a little bit around, um, let me check here. <laughs> and that's right around the time that motherfuckers start talking about leaving. Yeah. You know, and, and around no shit. yeah. Around I think it was around no no prayer for the for the dying. Yeah. Uh is that the last one with Bruce? Or, no, no. That's uh, Fear of the Dark. But that's the one that has Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter right. on it that was originally a Bruce Dickinson solo song for what, like a Nightmare on Elm Street or, or some shit. Yeah. And then they re recorded it. But that song got like um nominated for like a golden raspberry or whatever it is for like right. the worst song of the year yeah, or shit yeah, like yeah. that yeah. like they kind of started getting corny right and, and you know what also too i mean basically like well lonnie was looking at it last night because we're getting in we're getting in our getting ready for mating you yeah. know so uh the, i've got the set list burned on cds for fucking whoever needs it so you know, I mean, it. I mean, a concert is so much better when you know all the fucking songs. Yeah. You know, that's just. There's no other other way about it. As the cops roll by, look yeah. hard in here. Wow, yeah. that was crazy. See how fucking uh, rattle like it just when the fucking cops walk by. Right. Um, <laughs> it's like my you do my uh, my white privilege casts like a fucking a, a little safety yeah. safety zone. Yeah, they ain't gonna. I ain't gonna fuck with you as long as I'm in here, I think. Right. So yeah, so we so I've got the set list down and we're we're looking at things and and then Lonnie gets on her on her uh, iTunes music or whatever it is called that, that she pays for every month. And they make set lists for her and shit, right? Yeah. And so she's fucking looking and she's like, Oh wow, Steve Harris wrote that song. Oh wow, Steve Harris wrote that song. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh, I didn't like fill you in that, that you used to write like all, all the songs <laughs> you know and she's like no, no, no. i'll go yeah so obviously that you know adrian start writing bruce start writing more you know and and the songs change you know yeah so like when you you've got like your short more um more simple changes like but with a, a little, not a pop sensibility, but yeah. just uh, uh, kind of more standard songwriting. Yeah. And and those are usually the Adrian Smith songs. Yeah, less you know? proggy. Yeah, less proggy and, and less bass driven, you yeah. know. And then, and then Bruce's songs are usually, you know, a lot of times based on a, a guy. Yeah. You know, Alexander the Great or... You know, whatever historical dudes and you know fencing and fucking yeah. you know shit that he that he likes. So, it, so it's still like I say, it's cool, but it's kind of a far further away from the roots of the band. Yeah. Well, it's like I you had said before that you kind of gotta like 
take some of the shit with a grain of salt when you like look at it and you, you see what like the album cover is and kind of see what the song titles are and you go like okay so this is the album that Bruce Dickinson was really into space right okay so this is the album he like read a book about Egypt right <laughs> you know? yeah so it's like there's gonna be every once in a while he's gonna have a wild hair up his ass and write like a quasi concept album right right and you know oh now he's into like Mayan shit I guess yeah. you know like and the and the funny thing is that is that when he left it also left a void mm-hmm. a, a, apart from the singing because you know I mean we could shit on Blaze a lot yeah we we and have we have and, and we will more. But, you know, even apart from him, a lot of those songs aren't great, you know? Yeah. The, the, the instrumental parts, of the, you know, it's like they, they um, hit a creative wall at the same time as yeah. they lost their fucking singer. It was all bad, yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, so, you know, <clears throat> the songwriting changes, uh, I think... You know, I think that at the time when they first came out, I mean, Dave Murray, he was never like a burning fast guitar player or whatever, especially not for now, you yeah. know, but for the time, he was he was pretty fucking, he got loose with it yeah. more than dudes were doing in 1978, Yeah, you know, and fucking, and like... Dennis Stratton, a lot of the times when you hear the solos that are Dennis Stratton's, it's it's because you can tell that it's somebody who's trying to play faster than they're really comfortable playing. Yeah. You know, whereas Dave, you could tell he could play faster if he wanted to, you know. So that was a that was a new thing and I think by the by the time the later albums come out, well, everybody had a fucking hot shot guitar player by that time. Yeah. It was the thing to have, so it wasn't it wasn't like this song needs to feature Dave yeah. as much as it was before, which again is something that I fucking dug. Yeah, because you know I fucking like Dave Murray. I mean, if we if we go to fucking like let's say nineteen eighty five. My favorite guitar players are Randy Rhodes, fucking Eddie Van Halen, Ingve, and Dave Murray. Yeah. You know, and then right after that, I fucking discovered, you know, got way more into fucking Blackmore and Michael Schenker and yeah. things like that. But at that time, those were my dudes, and fucking and Dave for me was. Fuck, he was just as good as those other dudes. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the way I saw it. Now, obviously, you know, you see that that uh, the other dudes were more important and more influential or whatever. Yeah. But I think that's just because they like you know they were up, they were kind of apart from the band that they were in even. You well, know? yeah, I just feel like um, in defense of guys like Dave Murray and stuff, I think too many guys get their dick hard for like fast shredders mm-hmm. and stuff which they're fun mm-hmm. but they equate that with being a good guitarist and being a great guitarist so if somebody doesn't play like that then they're obviously an inferior guitarist to right and to me 
tone and everything is mm-hmm. much more important than oh, being yeah. able to pull off tricks. Yeah. And fuck it. Well, Randy Rhodes had both of those fucking right. things. Eddie Van Halen had both those fucking things. Yeah. Um, you get a lot guys like Ingve. His tone is fine. Yeah. He pulls off a lot of tricks, but the guy can't write a song for shit. Right. So he's he can solo, and that's he's kind of a one trick pony. Kind of. Uh, Satriani a little bit better at that. He's still, I don't know, because he's a guitar teacher. It's just like, it's like by the book, like. Mm-hmm. It's like shredding 101. Right. A lot of whammy bar, you know, yeah, a lot, a lot of, of wah, drum machine. You know, there's just a lot of <laughs> a lot of shit you get kind of like bored with. So right. There's like, you know, but you know, like there's just some guys that they might not be shreddy, 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 a million tricks and this and that, but you know what? They can fucking write a song mm. and, uh, you know, their tone is great. You yeah. Know, Ace Freely is one of those guys. Right. You know, right. Um, uh, Fast Eddie uh, from uh, Motorhead and shit like that. Like, yeah. you know, you don't necessarily need to be a virtuoso if you're, right. you know, those fucking solos in the live Motorhead records are fucking killer. But yeah. they're they're more like really loud, really fast blues solos. Right, <laughs> right. Know? And you know, some of the some of the best Dave Murray solos are like those slow. Real, real bendy, real mm-hmm. uh, vibrato solos. They're soulful. You know, they're just like those first couple of notes, like when he comes in on Strange World or when he comes in on Prowler, Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. They're fucking Ides of March. Ides of March is a fucking... And you know what's funny is that back in the days, that used to be the song that they came on stage to. Mm-hmm. But it's on tape. Yeah. So I've never actually seen them play it, you know, <laughs> which I would love to see them play it, you know, and it should come into Ratchow, obviously. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that to me that that's one of the great solos, you know, uh, of all time, from as far as I'm concerned, you know, uh, a lot of these, a lot of these, you know, another life is a great solo. Murders in the Rue Morgue, that intro solo, mm-hmm. is is badass. And um, so I am going to get, I'm actually going to do an episode where it's going to be anything you ever wanted to know about Iron Maiden's guitars, guitarists, and I'm including Steve Harris in that because it is a bass guitar after all. <laughs> That's going to be the, the solo episode. <laughs> and so we'll leave this one right here. Next week we'll come back with the, the new... New Maiden. New New Maiden. New New Maiden. And in, I'm also going to do that, the solo episode on the guitars of Iron Maiden. So hopefully you'll tune in for this one, and hopefully you'll tune in for those. So until the next one, this is Big Frog. Yeah, and Mike Castleberry. And we are out. I left alone. My mind was blank. from my mind What did I see Can I believe That what I saw that night Was real and not just fantasy Just what I saw In my old dreams Were the reflections Of my warm and staring